Happy birthday, Susan Sully, born on this day in 1963. Who's Susan Sully? She was the singer in The Human League. Big band in the new romantic scene, uh, going to Limbo's nightclub, dressed as a pirate. That's what we all did. Formed in Sheffield in 77, the group attained widespread commercial success with uh, their third album there. I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. That much is true. Has there ever been a better lyric in popular music? Uh, and she's buying a stairway to heaven is up there. But gosh, this song, Ali Moore, it takes one back, doesn't it? Oh, yes. That's yeah. a banger. It really Love is. That. Yeah. What do you reckon, Simon Pound? It's it's part of the songbook, it's, isn't it's it? It's part of the songbook, <laughs> isn't it? It's just evergreen. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, Jan says, uh, regarding Fiji, I'm with Ali. I can't stand them. They're gross, uh, says someone. And uh, would you know, we have a person called Kate saying... I hear you're talking about Fijoas. I've almost finished my non-fiction biography of the Fijoa. It'll be out next year. I can answer any question about them. Uh, Kate, <laughs> it's amazing who listens. Good hustle. Uh, yes, Kate, we are going to have you on on the panel. I'll be contacting you. Uh, you are on the panel RNZ National with Simon Pound and Ali Moore this afternoon. When was the last time you went... To the dentist, be honest. More than ever, New Zealanders are avoiding the dentist and fewer than half of us have had our teeth checked in the past year. In 2020, New Zealand recorded the highest unmet need for adult dental care among 11 comparable countries. The new poll commissioned by the Association of Salaried Medical Specialists showed 74% of people strongly agreed or agreed that adult dental care should be funded in the same way it is for children. Now, last year, Minister Grant Robinson provided universal dental care uh, would cost well over a billion dollars a year in extra funding. He said that, uh, rather. And a group now is called, they're called Dental for All. They are calling for the government to make dental care free for all adults. So this has been rumbling away over some time and indeed uh, specifically over the last couple of years to discuss today we have public health dentist Hugh Trengrove. Kia ora Hugh. Kia ora Wallace. As a public health dentist, what are you seeing? Um, Well look, I'm a a hospital based dentist and we see on a daily basis um, people trying to access care with um, preventable third-world dental problems. Uh, And uh, it's a desperate situation for many people. Do you think it's worse than when you started practising? 
Uh, yep, I've been around a long time, and it's definitely worse. And the inequality is is significantly worse as well. So my view is that um, our dental problem is deepening and worsening, uh, and the inequity um, is is widening. Explain to us more before we go to our panel why we need to focus on our dental health. There might be some out there saying, look, is it as important to focus on dental health as it is on other parts of the body? Um, look, I think we need to first of all recognise that oral health or dental health is a is a part, an integral part of general health. For too long we've um, separated off dental issues and dentistry from general health um, and you know the evidence is quite clear that dental health has a direct impact on general health and and well-being in itself. Um, so we do need to recognise that dentistry should be part of general health and um, we all should be able to access um, those full health services. Yeah, all right. Ali Moore, what's your view, your thoughts and comments on uh, this specific issue? Yeah, it's probably a couple of years since I have been to the dentist and I won't be alone in yeah. that. Uh, I, I feel like I know it's expensive uh, for the government. It's a big cost, but I feel like this is a complete no-brainer and not just because it has the support of seven and more than seven out of ten New Zealanders, which you would think would make it a, a, a great bet politically as well. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Bad teeth and therefore bacteria entering the bloodstream apparently is associated with diabetes, heart disease, respiratory illness, um, some forms of cancer, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, it's false economy not to be making it easier for people to 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 get regular dental treatment. Respond to that, Hugh. Oh, look, I totally agree, and it's it's wider than that. It you know it affects uh, work sleep, um, uh, productivity. Um, there's a whole range of things that are wider than that. And, um, you know, there's been some good modelling to show that um, using the treasury modelling tools, in fact, that for each dollar invested, um, there's a dollar sixty return. And if you look at the economic benefits overall by increased employment, um, reduced benefits, tax revenue and so on, it's, it's estimated that for every dollar invested, $4.50 is returned um, as part of a general economic benefit. So it's just, it just makes good economic sense as well as a health and wellbeing uh, initiative. Simon. Yeah, lo- love that. And that was what I was really interested in, is that kind of level of false economy. So is the current situation that you get help in the public system if things get dreadful, but you don't get the kind of preventative help that means that things don't get dreadful? Yes, look, absolutely. So um, there's a significant group that that can't access anything, and so they resort to dentistry in the garage or by their mates or um, medicate on Panadol and alcohol probably to try and resolve these issues. Um, Those that are are desperately in need in the hospital sector will be seen, uh, and sometimes they'll be seen as part of... uh, uh, a operation, um, we get people that are admitted to ICU with severe dental infections that are all a result of lack of preventive dental care. And, and you know, the, the costs of ICU are, are, are enormous, 
but we also had somebody occupying an ICU bed um, because they didn't receive basic preventive dental care as part wow. of general health. It's just wow. crazy. So the litany of um, uh, uh, you know possible illnesses that Ali Moore um, read off there that is that is quite accurate. Yes, look, there's there's definitely um, strong links to a whole range of of general uh, health conditions, um, but also, um, as I said, just general lifetime uh, life issues like sleep, relationships, employment, uh, self-esteem, all those things as well. So you're hoping to, what are you hoping to do? What's what's the group Dental for All hoping to do? Well, we we want... um, the country as a whole to recognise that oral health is an important part of general health. Um, we we need to integrate universal access of, de- of of dental care as part of our health system along general health services, um, and we need a universal approach to make sure uh, everyone, without exception, can access good preventative dental care. That's what we we think we deserve as a, a as a as a country. Very good. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, that's public health dentist uh, Hugh Trengrove. Interesting, isn't it, Ellie Moore? Because it's one of those things that, and part of it is cost too, uh, not exclusively, but uh, one does put dental uh, health on the back burner. You said two years. I think I haven't been for a year and a half. And I, I really reminded myself, actually, oh, my goodness, I've actually got to look after my teeth. So I, I've been booked in for a hygienist and actually a checkup in April uh, this month. But it is something that I can't see the issue really going away uh, without some sort of um, announcement, whatever it is, be it this administration, Ali, or another. Mm, yeah, I put it off for a very long time, um, so long uh, that it became a self-sustaining thing. And when I eventually went, I was surprised that my teeth were in pretty good shape. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> haven't been back since, of course, uh, and I do need to. And I, I just think there are so many, particularly in the current climate, so many barriers um, and 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 perhaps people don't understand how, you know, People think they're just teeth, uh, yeah. but perhaps don't understand how it can affect um, the rest of their health and the rest of their life quite radically. And, like, we're all doing well in the scheme of the world, and we're putting it off. Like, I've put it off for years. And, uh, you know, what, imagine, what, what, imagine, what, the, what, 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 imagine the iniquities and, in, 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 you know, the, the rest of the situation. Sorry, what do you mean years? Yeah, like I put it off for a couple of years and then went, and I don't, I'm in reasonable check now. But, you know, seven out of ten people are for it, which yeah. implies that, like, three out of ten people are dentists who have, like, you know, holidays to and pay here's for. part or, of the answer. I got one filling last week, $370. Yeah. Uh, and that... Uh, Oh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for one filling. Uh, it is uh, 4.43. You're on the panel on RNZ National. Bit of response here. Kia ora, Wallace. Never had a Fijoa growing up in the Netherlands, but think they are pure gold. My in-laws actually have a Fijoa uh, orchard in Nelson with a fruit-drying business uh, called Little Beauties, dried Fijoa and other fruit dipped in chocolate. 
Wow. Uh, another one here. Well, it was a long time ago while heading north, while with some friends surfing, we came across a pile of Fijoas that had obviously fallen off a truck on the gravel back road in Parkery up north Auckland. We ate plenty, surfed and headed home to come across a pretty bad display of driving and the car ended up giving chase and pulling the dangerous driver over. His wife had recently been in a car accident and was scared. We caught up, pulled over and proceeded to get rid of the remaining Fijoas all over the dangerous driver's car. My friend driving was a musician and ended up writing a song called Fijoa that was played on BFM by Marcus Lush. True and funny story. That's quite a story. Thank you. And Francis says, I'm 74, still a relieving teacher. I learned tables by rote in the 50s. Never forgot them. Kids don't know their tables can't do high-level maths when kids don't know their tables. I learned reading using phonics. When kids do phonics, they can decode reading easily. I'm learning two languages which use a different alphabet script. How have I learned to read those languages easily? Sounded them out. Spelling standards are low in primary school. I get so frustrated with this. A lot of people saying, actually, I learned rote growing up, as I did. Yeah, yeah, I learned the tables of rote. Like, I think tables there's definitely got to be a place for some of it. Yep, six sevens. Actually, what is six sevens? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Put you on the step, on the spot, on radio. Fifteen yeah. to five, the panel. Now, a panel has been in the six, spotlight. Yeah, 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 six yeah, times yeah, seven yeah, forty-two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A panel has been in the spotlight for having all male guests. This was organised by the Auckland University Law Student Society, a Friday pizza and partners panel for law students. And it didn't take long for people to notice the panel was all Parkour men. They have since apologised and deeply regret the oversight, and it ended up being rejigged on the night. According to the New Zealand Law Society, over 70% of law graduates and just over half of the legal profession are women. With us is the National Council of Women NZ President, Suzanne Manning. Suzanne, kia ora. Kia ora. So there was David, Blair, Nick, Michael, and another Nick initially on the panel in the poster. Look, they did rejig it last minute, but it's 2023. How could an all-male panel still be happening, some are saying? Well, that is a good question to be asking because it is 2023 and we had moved on from that. Especially as what you were saying about the um, the actual makeup of the profession, so this panel did not reflect who actually works in the profession. There is more diversity than that, but somebody forgot to notice it. And this is how many, like a week, two weeks after International Women's Day. So gender has been in the news big time, and they still overlooked it. They, they had plenty of capacity to rejig it. Obviously, last minute, they had no problem rejigging it. But uh, I just, it amazes me that they didn't think of that first up. Ali Moore, let's bring you in. No, oh, it's just embarrassing. I must admit, I have a, there's a name for this called a manal. Yeah. Not a panel. Uh, and uh, I must admit, I, I just l- laughed in hysterically in amazement when I saw this. Um, I mean, there is a way to prevent this from ever happening again, no matter how uh, forgetful or inept the organisers are, and that is to always ask when you are invited to be on the panel, 
always ask who your fellow panellists are. And if they do not represent the industry or, in fact, if they do not represent society as a whole, and I include um, people of colour as well as women in that, uh, say no. No, I'm not going to appear unless it's representative. I, I've actually, you know, I get to, asked to be on a few of these and um, I have refused on all sorts of basises, basises? Uh, all sorts of, for all sorts of reasons yeah. before, including uh, that sometimes I've been asked to be on panels um, with men who I have information on, if you get what I mean. You know that I yeah. work in the Me Too space. And I've had to politely decline because, frankly, I know too much about that person. Uh, people need to be doing their due diligence um, when it's when it's them going up on stage, uh, and and also the organisers need to be um, considering representation in the first conversation about putting a panel together. Not oh my god, look what we've done <laughs> and shuffling it down at last minute. Uh, Suzanne? Yeah, I think Ellie's really right about the system approach. This is not just one group of people that need to be talking about this. It's everybody. So the fact that it did get changed is because there was an outcry, because there were people looking at this and saying this is not good enough. And so... Yeah, after the posters really were printed. After the posters were printed. Can I just oh, throw it out? After the, the posters are printed. Can, can, so, okay, so, so there is one person, and then you've got the people who are on the panel, you've got the organisers, you've got the, uh, the companies who are asked to put forward the people. It takes everybody to be aware of it. It's it's pretty late in the day for them not to be aware. Hey, like my um, my old boss at, at Vend, right. uh, and this is literally 10 years ago, he had a no-manual policy and he would not go on any panel unless there were people that didn't look like him. And this is in tech 10 years ago. Like, you know, pe- people have had their eyes open. Have well, been this Vend. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, so, that, uh, so the, the Vend person and Lance Wiggs, two examples yeah, of yeah. men who would not go. In fact, as the, they would do an alley or Suzanne said, "Ask first. Yeah, yeah, and and that was our that was our policy, and that's what right. we did ten years ago. And so that was what he was doing. I that. That. And then, um, and then you, you know, there, there's still these examples that pop up. Like my favourites are when it's like a, a panel on increasing diversity, and it's five guys or something. You know, it's um, it, it's quite wild. This is still happening. Okay. Can I just can I just both to around the panel? I mean, Ali, Suzanne. Is it simply, I'm just trying to sort of find some sort of elasticity here, is it simply an honest oversight? You know, uh, you've got a board meeting, you, you, you're putting together the ideas for the Law Society event, pizza from the panel, and sometimes issues are just in plain sight and you don't realise it till the poster's been printed, Ellie. Uh, well, plainly they're very embarrassed, as they yeah. should be, uh, and they are claiming it was an oversight. Um, but this will have, will have gone through many, many, many levels of checks, mm-hmm. including asking all the panellists for headshots, checking yes. their names and designations, um, you know, checking how they'd like to be introduced. Uh, there was plenty of opportunity to notice um, but but plainly, diversity wasn't top of mind, and it ha- and it has to be. 
And it is kind of, you know, a grim representation of the world where you've got, you know, the the top 50 um, companies in the country. There's more men called Mark than there are women in leadership positions in those top 50. And there's more people called Nick, (laughs) two Nicks, and not a single woman on this panel. It's um, it's terrible. It's baked all the way through. So, Suzanne, while you are still with us... um, What's the advice uh, from here on in? Because clearly this keeps on happening every uh, six months. This topic will come up again and again and again that uh, a panel has been uh, put together and they're all male. What's your advice to those thinking of putting an event together? What Ali just said has got to be top of mind. Mm. Um, the, The whole thing about... Um, attracting these panels. This particular panel is about recruitment. Who do you want to recruit? Make sure that you're representative of that. If you are trying to have a panel to present your organisation to the world, what sort of a representation do you want? It makes good business sense to be talking to everybody and not just a uh, subset of the population. So in... Every level, it's got to be top of mind. Diversity is the end thing. You should be there. Lovely to have you on the program, Suzanne Kiora. That's uh, Susan Manning there, the National Council of Women NZ. It's seven away from five trying to... We want to talk about um, a, a new campaign. It's called Love Better. It'll support young people in breakups to improve attitudes to dealing with hurt. So we're trying to get uh, that person up. Meanwhile, we've had a big response, uh, not just to Posey Parker, uh, the activist that is... Uh, controversially for some coming here, but actually the um, people are really enjoying the um, books in prison. And Lynn writes, uh, I'm listing this afternoon, uh, it was about 96, I established the Books in Prison Trust, a charitable trust that established libraries in the women's prison throughout New Zealand. Dame Georgina Kirby, now de- uh, deceased, and then Celia Lashley were our chairs. It was a very successful program that delivered weekly library services to all women in prison, creative writing programs, reading with children, workshops, and gave the woman a new dictionary and two new books for them to own, etc. And I've spoken publicly for many years of working with women in prison. We got funding for study via FED, um, uh, but uh, unfortunately... Uh, the trust, um, the government locked us out of prisons and the programs and something we've fought very hard to overcome, but to no avail. So we might actually come back to mm. that mm. issue. I, I've had friends who've been All involved. Right. Now, do you recall the hurt of your first breakup? Curled up, listening to Tori Amos, every lyric Cutting like a like a knife. Research by the analytics company Cantar found 62% of 16 to 24 year olds had been through a breakup, and 72% of those had experienced or perpetrated harm. So today, the government has launched a new campaign. It's called Love Better, and it'll support young people in breakups to improve attitudes to dealing with hurt. With us is Youthline's Helpline General. Manager Brian Lowe. Kia ora, Brian. Yeah, kia ora. Tell us about this um, campaign. Yeah, no, so Love Better is a campaign that's been put together by the Minister of Social Development, and it's to support young people who are going through a breakup. 
um, and it's to teach them actually in terms of healthy relationships that um, a breakup needs to be healthy as well. Yeah. Um, Fair yeah, enough. For a lot of young people, you know, it's, it's quite a, um, it's obviously a big moment for them in their life. And, um, you know, there are, there are better ways to deal with it, you know, as opposed to not so better ways. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sure that many of us uh, might uh, relate to this uh, issue. Ali Moore, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, th- I think this is a, a good a great idea. Um, you know, we know that a, a bit later on in life um, that women are at most risk of being killed uh, it, when they're leaving a violent relationship. So, yes, we do need to know how to separate from people we once loved or said we loved uh, in a, a more constructive way. Um, I think there needs to be, we've talked about this a lot, there needs to be uh, better healthy relationships training in schools or teaching in schools overall. Um, So I'll be really interested to see how this one plays out. Simon? I love the idea in this campaign of helping kids own their feels. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, Sorry, what's the question? Own their own their feels. So, you know, the idea of helping these kids, uh, you, you know, own their own reactions and not um, not put it all on their partner and not play the blame game right. and, 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 and all of that. I think a lot of it is for young people to understand that, number one, what they are going through is, is legitimate. You know, you are going to get those feels and you're going to get all those emotions and all that. It's, but it's teaching young people how to deal with those feelings and how to channel them into ways that build their resilience and become positive, you know, when they look back on it, as opposed to coping mechanisms that will, you know, hurt them in the short term or even in the longer term. So okay. it's about yeah. dealing with those feelings. And once we establish they're okay to have. So it's called Love Better, supporting young people in breakups uh, and dealing with the hurt. Uh, how do people respond? How do people get in touch or uh, connect with you, Brian? Yep, so the helpline's available um, 247. So, um, so basically it's going to be based around texting, which is the number one medium of support that young people are using at the moment. What's the number? So they simply text 234, which is a text number. Easy, 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 Brian. Kia ora. that's 234. Wonderful company you have both been. Ellie Moore, Simon Pound, thanks for being with me today. Uh, I am Wallace yeah. Chapman. I am back tomorrow, 345. Checkpoint with Lisa Owen is next up.